future. We're talking real money. Well, welcome to Talking Real Money on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. I'm Tom Cock, Don McDonald on the road, be joining us here in just a couple of minutes. You out there trying to figure out, what do I do with my money? How do I make it grow? How do I take care of it? What are the mistakes I need to avoid? And that's why we're here every week to answer all of those questions. And the idea is to give you actual answers to your questions without selling you anything. Now, we're not in the business of telling you to call us Monday morning. Well, actually, in this case, it be Tuesday. Call us Tuesday morning and we'll fix all that up for you. We actually give you some answers to real life questions that we see every day. We've been doing this a long time, and uh, the idea is to get you on your way with less worry, generally with more money, because many of you are making a lot of mistakes when it comes to how you're taking care of assets or not that you're probably going to need in the future. So that's the deal. Yeah, the point you're trying to make is that unlike all of those other uh, radio shows, and I know you you tune in on the weekend now to stations and you go, oh, no, not another financial yeah, pitch. not those guys. You are not going to get one here. Bear in mind, and this is important, those other people are, are, are purveyors of product. They sell insurance products. They sell stocks. They sell heavily loaded mutual funds with high fees. They sell, they sell, they sell, they sell. It's like the Ed Jones guy knocking on the door. Hello, might I talk with you about investing? I, I, love, uh, I love I love how most people don't even open the door. Yeah. They talk to them through oh, the door. Gosh. Good Lord, I'm not even going to open this. So, uh, yeah. I thought Fuller brushes died off years ago. They make these kids go door to door. That's no door joke. Door. We learned this. It's actually. No, thought, because we've actually. Yeah. We've actually interviewed some of well, them it's, because well, we're looking for new advisors. And we're and really, we, here's the thing is we're looking for people who are disenchanted Mm-hmm. With the sales industry, the, the financial sales industry, the 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 you know you you don't keep your job unless you're making your uh, your quota. I mean, literally, when I was in the business, there was a board on the wall where they had everybody's sales month to date. And if you knew that if you were in the bottom half of that board, don't be last. Good good chance you weren't <laughs> going to be there next month. Yeah. And in it's the brutal. cases of some of these young people we've talked to, they didn't make the cut. I don't think no. I, don't, I don't think it's any of the fault of their own. I think if you put me going door to door, I wouldn't right. do very Can well. You I wouldn't do very well. Well, I might do better than they do because my hair color, being blonde as it is. So, but anyway, I, I don't think I'd do well. They'd go, "Who's that poor old homeless man <laughs> the, at the door? Get that guy out of my front yard. He's going to." He steal sure something. has a nice suit, but he <laughs> he's just too oh, old to be going door to door. I know. So I unfair. did door to door sales when I was a kid. Did you? I mean, yeah, very young. Uh, because my mom was a was got caught up in an MLM thing. Oh no! Back in the back yeah. in the sixties, it was selling a product called Swipe. I like Swipe, and, and I went what, door was, to what door. Was swipe. What was that? Swipe was a blue uh, all-purpose household cleaner. It still exists, and you know we don't begrudge anyone making a living as long as it's an honest living. Sure. I don't even begrudge people door to door sales. It's a hard <laughs> job, and it is, and somebody's got to do it. But uh, one of the things I I'm, I kind of I don't like multi-level marketing. I I hate multi-level marketing. That's one of the reasons I kind of make faces when I talk about it. But you sold door to door. I did. 
I did. I, mean, I, I, would, I, I remember was, your days selling commodities, yeah, that's, but that's going back a few years too. No, this was. Uh, I was. I was going to make you get, try to guess what I sold door to door, but I figured yeah, you're never going to figure this no, one out. No, never. Not, not a chance. Uh, so I, I mean, was, unless uh, it's Encyclopedia Britannica's, <laughs> I don't have it. Yeah, which I think they were still doing when I was young. Uh, no, I sold Holly door to door, the plant. Oh, I thought you were a pimp. Yeah, I was, gonna, okay. I was waiting no. for the smart reply. No, so it turned out when we moved uh, to the Northwest, we had a, a humongous holly tree. I mean, like, mm-hmm. and my dad said, you know, some of your neighbors would probably love to have some of those holly sprigs for the holiday. So I went around the neighborhood and I sold mm-hmm. bags of holly. So I would. Oh, I took you the were orders. a serious entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, it was my okay. I got to be give full credit. It was my dad's idea. And I said, sure, yeah. I, that'd be great. Get ten bucks a bag or something. So I sold a bunch of bags of holly. I take the orders and I come bring it back. You know, a week later, and boom, there you go. So, a lot smarter than me going out and mowing lawns in the in the yeah. miserable Maybe. weather. Or you know, I had a smart one. I used to sell my sibling stuff out in front of the yard. I would just take <laughs> never, their stuff. Now that's way more creative than trimming <laughs> the holly tree. <laughs> David, you don't need that. David, you don't need it. That's Seriously, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I, I, I'll give you half the money I got from oh, it. Oh, you know, I never stuff. thought, I never thought, actually, that's, I that raises a very interesting idea because, as you know, in my house. <laughs> I didn't think it would. Well, I was no, surprised. No, it does because, as you when, know, in my house, things come in and then they sit there. They oftentimes don't get used. And as mm-hmm. you know, my wife works all the time. I could actually do one of those sales while she was gone with all, gone all the she things. She wouldn't miss it. <laughs> and she'd be home, whatever happened? I don't know. It just no, disappeared. I, I like where we're going never, with this. She'd never miss it. Never miss it. Uh, uh, yeah, and we're going to do the same thing. we got a lot of stuff to sell. Uh, right, Debbie? Yeah, right. Good luck yeah, with that. My we, wife's here with yeah. me. In beautiful Rapid City, That's where right. tomorrow it will be almost 100 degrees. Well, almost 100 here, too. So Really? Is it that hot it's there? It's going to be 90 again, I think. What happened to Seattle weather? It's over. It's never going to rain here again. I just talked to Steve Poole, Como 4 News. He said, That's it. No more rain. That's it forever? That's it. Oh. Taking the top back off Florida my car, so and... I get a little humidity. Exactly. Now, uh, I just I just figured out, thanks to Mark Holbert, what the, why we have a Labor Day weekend to start off September. I always wondered what the real purpose was because it couldn't just be. I mean, come on, Labor Day. Well, I thought it was like increased number of pregnancies from early last year. Yeah, no, year. it's not no? that. Okay, all right. So yeah, which is better better than mine because I all all across the country are people in their cars either listening to the podcast or listening to the show on the radio and the little kid in the backseat going mommy what's a pimp uh thanks a lot yeah <laughs> you're appreciate welcome. it it's a you know never mind uh the uh the reason is this is according to statisticians september is the worst month of the year for the stock market did you know that? I, I, I think somewhere way back in the back of my mind. Because as you know, I don't really look month to month at these things. But Yeah, we don't yeah. pay any attention, but people do. Yes, they do. They're like, uh, there are a lot of, lot of short-termers yep. quaking in their boots thinking, well, it's September. What should I do now? <laughs> Sell it Mark all. Mark Holbert. Yeah, Mark Holbert, he's a statistician. He well, loves statistics. And he wrote that absolutely great newsletter all those years that I think he Following sold to Mark all those newsletters. Yeah. yeah. And he, by the and, way, if you really got him out and said, what do you think? He'd say, 
just buy an index fund. These they, these people don't know the future. Give me a break. He debunks, and that's yeah. the nicest thing about Holbert's work is he regularly debunks those who the believe newsletter they writer found of all a time. pattern. Yeah, no, yeah, not happening. And and all of these folks who believe they found a pattern, you should stay out in September because statistically September is the worst month of the year. And so he ran it by a whole bunch of statisticians, and they in essence said, I mean. I could read you all the details. But in essence, they said, even though it has been the worst month, that doesn't mean, and there's no reason to believe that it will continue to be. There is no logical reason for it to be that way. So it's much more Occam's razor. Simplest solution is probably the most likely. The simplest explanation in this case is it was just luck. Well, like flipping a coin. But I do think, I mean, there is this aspect of people come back to work in September. Yeah. So then you got more trading, and if things look, you know, not as bright as they did, now you're going to have more money moving around, and yeah, so you you could get into. But all my that. and and you know, in addition to what Hulbert talked about, I've always ha- had the theory that 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 plays into it, but it also is when you have a bunch of people playing in the market, not investing in the market, but playing the market, thinking that there there is a pattern, that there's a system that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, true. They look back at years past and go, well, because these years pass, market was down in September, let's get out in September and get back in later in the year, or get back in at the first of the year. So we have a lot of selling that happens just because it happened before for no apparent reason. What's going to be very interesting to watch over the next several years, Tom, is what is the impact of indexing and passive investing going to be on those kinds of self-fulfilling prophecies going forward as that percentage of the market grows and grows dramatically, well, or at least it has, it has so far. It has, it's, I mean, you go back go back 20 years, it was about one out of every $20 it was invested in stocks this way. Today, it's about one out of three. I mean, it depends on which number you believe, but some people say it's as high as 40% of the money in right. stocks I saw a 42%. Is in yeah, so it depends I saw on your number. I saw a 42% number. But my question is, though, and this is what I really want us all to watch, is in are we going to have, we're going to predict that we will because we've had them before. We're going to have big market crashes. But are they likely to be as dramatic? Oh, you think, as, what you, I get what you're saying is you think they're going to be less because right. people are in, yeah, I'm invested in, you know, the markets go up, the markets go down, get over it. Well, and, well and, okay. and like we do with dimensional funds, dimensional funds advisors don't let their clients panic out in a well, declining you be market. Well, you say that. They, they, they well, they can. don't. They discourage they, yeah, them. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Well, we, you know, you can slap their hands. You really can't force them, but no. but you can. It's your money. You can gently, gently nudge them in the right direction. Tom and Don are talking real money. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. And again, we want to help you. We want to help you make more money in the future, to make more sense out of money, to understand how it works, to particularly understand how investing works as opposed to speculation and gambling and playing. So the question is, should your investing be like work? I mean, shouldn't yeah. it be a hard thing? There. You always get it. I mean, this is the part that... Yeah. I love this discussion. The argument has been 
by many on Wall Street that the harder you work at investing, the better you're going to do. You got to put in the effort if you want the return. Well, because and that's I think, that's, you know, that's one of the core beliefs of America, right? The harder the right. more you get ahead, et cetera, et cetera. So the question is, as an investor, is that true? Well, here I have a great analogy for you. Uh, the guys out digging ditches by the highway work really, really hard. Are, are they making a lot of money for that incredible effort they're putting out? Generally speaking, not. People who work really, really smart, not breaking a sweat, but working smart, tend to make more money. When you work with your brain, you tend to make more money. Smart investors tend to make more money than those who struggle and research and study and time and trade. And, you know, and they're actually they're, they're they're doing the equivalent of breaking a sweat. Working on their investment portfolio. Well, and I was going to, I was, my answer was absolutely not that most people that work hard at this end up with less. The people that try to research and pick individual companies that are, I think this company is going to be better than others. The people that try, as you, because you mentioned being out in September, the people that sort of try to time markets either with a system or with a feeling, right? And then the people that, <laughs> this is my favorite, the people that are so sure. That they that they can do this better than the experts. In other words, the people that sit at home. I I, I and I'm going to tell a story later. We know many of yeah, them. Yeah, that that I that I that is a guy I've known for a long time, and he's a smart guy. I saw him last night, and he's just sure that he can. Now he's going to know who he is. <laughs> I know. He, he's just sure that uh, that he can do this. You know, he, that he can beat the market. That's the word. That, that it's all about yep. beating. And that's by the way, that's what he thinks investing is. He's certain that that's what but that's 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 how you get rich well it's one way if you could do it the problem is we can't find anybody who can do it for a long period of time see the cheaters have given some credibility to this concept of beating the market because there have been so many people like stephen cohen who run you know big hedge back funds in the news and, this week by the way these guys there's no there's just there, there's no doubt about it they cheat that's how they win they don't win you can by read being the, you smarter. You can read the book there, and you very clearly see that Black Edge, well, right? Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, when wow. SAC Capital pled guilty to insider trading, pleaded guilty to insider paid, trading, what was and it? Pay a two billion dollar, Whatever three billion was, dollar yeah. fine. It was a multi billion dollar fine. Pocket you, change. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, Paul, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. How can we help you today? I have a, a universal life insurance policy, which started out as a whole life. When I purchased when I was 18, I paid 10 bucks a month for a while, and I increased it to $28.30, which had stayed there for decades. I've got about a $21,000 cash value in it. I really don't need it. I just wondered if you had any ideas what I might do with that. Well, what's the policy payout in the event of your demise? It pays 50000 but I think part of that is the 20 that, you know. Oh, of course oh, it is. It yeah. No question about yeah. that. I'm not sure how it works. How old are you, Paul? 65. 65. And do you have any any dependents who might need, I mean, I just because I just, sadly no, just heard about a case. My, Go ahead. No, my kids are in their mm. mid-30s doing fine, and I'm not married, remarried, so. 
Yeah, because I just heard about a horrible case with somebody in their 40s that, that passed away with no insurance and left the wife and kids with nothing. Yeah. I mean, I, if you're asking me, it, I mean, again, this gets into what's the purpose of insurance. Generally, the purpose of insurance should be to pay in case something happens to you to take care of others, generally. Right. I, and, and you, I originally get, bought that policy because I wanted to be responsible for my burial. I didn't want... Nobody oh. have to spend money to bury me. That's why I bought it. Well, here's the deal. This I, really is what it boils down to. If you okay. if you want to keep that money very safe, if you're going to take it out and put it in something very safe, it would not reach fifty thousand dollars for at least a couple of decades. So uh-huh. if you if you pass before you reach eighty five, leaving it here is a safe way to, as you said, pay for your burial and and you know and leave a party, something to man. your kids there you go. and That's a party yeah, or something. Yeah, okay, uh, but. But if you would take it out, for example, and invest it in the in the stock market, let's just say you didn't need it, you want invest it in the stock market, there's a decent yeah. chance, although there's absolutely no guarantee, that ten or twelve years from now that money would be worth about fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So what that's the tax, game. You got. Uh, you would have some out, taxes. Yeah, yeah, you would have some taxes on the proceeds, yeah. on the gain, on the proceeds, uh, but. It's not going to be because you didn't make a lot of money. I was just roughly running some numbers, and and you you made about you probably made less than one percent a year. Uh, it really didn't make a lot of money, so you're not going to have a huge income tax, but it will be taxed as ordinary income. My first inclination, given that you've already done it, it's already there. You don't need the money. Would be to leave it alone and let it uh, let it pay for your for your burial down the road at some point, and because uh, its cash value will never ever 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 meet the 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 death benefit. It just can't. Right. Okay. Okay. But you can I see. You can see. Your... Yeah. There's there's options there, Paul, for you. I, I think it's a a fair debate again for looking down the road. What you what again? What it's might as be simple best, as so. this. If you're not going to take risk, if you were to yeah. take it out, pay the taxes, and not take risk, you want safe investments that are low yielding. There is no way you're going to reach fifty thousand dollars in value before you're eighty five years old. It's just not going to happen. If you take some risk, it could happen a lot sooner. But you have to take risk and if it's money you don't really need you've got a a guarantee for your your beneficiaries those are your choices thanks for the call tom and don are talking real money your guides to a really great financial future tom and don are talking real money hi just by way of introduction i'm don that guy over there is tom this is talking real money the show that we host designed specifically and scientifically to help you build the wealth you need to retire the way you deserve to retire, which is well, comfortably, securely, happily ever after. And let's go back to those phone lines and bring Carl aboard. Hello, Carl. Welcome to Talking Real Money. Hi, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be on your show, and I thoroughly enjoy it, too. Thank you. Thank uh, you. I am an exception to your rule. And uh, way back when, uh, probably over 10 years ago, I bought an iPod and I thought it was an exceptional piece of electronics and decided that probably that company would be worth investing in. So I bought a number of shares of Apple 
and I still have it. So, you know, you were actually you're you know, the only you're guy who's ever in, done that, Carl. So well done. You, no yeah, kidding. No, you're an exception <laughs> in a couple of interesting ways because along the way, what you you did something that is actually in some ways a very good thing. You bought something that you thought was good, and you just hung on. The problem is very few people. Tom's right. Very few people actually bought it and then hung on through pancreatic cancer and all, you know, and the demise of the the company's founder and all of the things that happened, the bad news along the way, really, it it hurts people. It really, it almost physically hurts sometimes. And they, and that's why it's hard for individuals to buy stock. The other thing you got was lucky. Yeah. You no, did. and by the you way, got- I don't want people to misunderstand. Even though we criticize owning individual stocks, we're happy for you. I, I look if everybody, yeah. I, if everybody no. bought Amazon in 1997 with a thousand dollars, you wouldn't need to call us probably, right? But because- the problem right now is what's the you know? I, I look out there and go, okay, I've got my. I, and matter of fact, I am broadcasting this show. <laughs> He's got literally. Mr. I am Apple. broadcasting this show through my iPhone. You are hearing this show go going from my iPhone to the studios in Seattle. So I think these are incredible devices. What's the next one? Well, the next one I feel is is obviously eight, and I feel that pretty soon. No, no, no. Uh, what's the next? What's the next big win? Portfolio. Yeah. No, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is you won on Apple. Are you confident right. you're going to pick another one like that? Well, I, I I'm 71 now, so I've made my inve- I've made my retirement. Absolutely, you you, you won. You, you won, won the game, and well that's done. all I can say. We're happy. Well, you we did won. well I, done. I, it's in. I'm in high six figures. Good man. Well, yeah. so do you have a question, or you just want to tell well, us? Well, I you know it it was just an exception to your rule. Ah, got it. And uh, I thought I'd call up and 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 give it as you know one of those few. And granted, I I wrote it through 2009, and yep. you know I just held my breath, and it worked out. By the way, another little tidbit. My wife's daughter was working for Amazon way back when, and she bought Amazon stock when it was $15 a share. Yeah, I mean, she, Amazon, yeah, it's, it's it, it, you go back to the founding, uh, the, when it went uh, public, it's up 30% a year. Yeah. Hey, that's a pretty good return. <laughs> There's not a lot yeah. of publicly traded no, companies and, that and do those, that. So. Thank goodness for those, because those are the stocks, those are the companies that make all of the money when you buy the market. Yep. The vast majority of the market's return comes from a very few very good stock. The problem is, and I'll give you a great personal example. The problem is, I, for example, I, I thought Amazon was a great idea many, many years ago, but you sit and you read and you study and you work really hard on it and you go, mm, wait a minute. Not making they're really money. saying they're not making any money. Yep. There's no reason to buy this stock. There were as many reasons to not buy it as there were reasons to buy it. So it makes it very, very difficult to pick stocks for individuals uh, unless it's a very special case where you, you just get lucky. You go, that's a cool product. I'm going to buy a little stock. And you know what you did, Carl? This is another thing that I don't mind people doing is you played with a little money a long time ago. If you have a lot, you've saved and invested and you've got your nest egg building up in a diversified portfolio and something comes along that you go, I think this is great. If you have some money that you can afford to lose, if you're wrong, we're not opposed to buying individual stocks. No more than 5%, I would say, of your portfolio. Yeah, exactly. You want to see if we can squeeze one more in? Uh, Another call? Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. Because John has been kind enough to stand by and now joins us on Talking Real Money. Hi, John. John? Yes. Hi. Uh, the reason I called today, 
uh, we're trying to set up uh, a foundation or something of that nature uh, as a gift, as, and, and it would be in excess of 100000 and it would go into probably a 501c3. And we're looking for the most bang for the buck, in other words, most efficient from a tax and also a gifting standpoint. What, what's the and, purpose of this foundation? Uh, it's a remembrance of an individual. Okay. So, and, and, I mean, but what do you the want money, the money yeah. to do? Yeah, yeah who will the money be for? going to? It would be going to the foundation, but in such a manner that it would be uh, paid out uh, over time, like four percent of the uh, principal. So it would to continue. whom? Uh, it would be to the college or the. Uh, oh, okay, the okay. So you want to set up a foundation as a rem- uh, to pay money to a college, but the problem is at a hundred thousand dollars. You're better off taking the deduction and giving it to the college's or the college's own foundation and letting them invest it and pay it out because the cost of managing something of establishing and then managing that uh, are going to eat into your return so dramatically that you might be lucky to give them four percent a year. Okay, I see what you're saying. What I was looking at is uh, the methods of distributing uh, that, like going direct from the IRA to the uh, to the foundation, and then uh, looking at gifting appreciated stock or donor advised. Uh, yes, or using Vanguard uh, charitable. Or I think up a those char- when you're charitable. when you're in this range, if you were in the 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 eight figure range, then you, you you can start looking at setting up your own foundation. Then it might start to make sense. But if you'll notice, most foundations, most charitable foundations, are in the nine-figure range, the vast majority of them. And uh, because it is a costly process, there is a lot of, there are a lot of legal loopholes you have to jump through, a lot of paperwork that has to be filed. It can be a very expensive process that eats up your returns. You're better off just finding an inexpensive way to gift it directly to the organization in the name of that person. Tom and Don are talking real money. For a really great future, we're talking real money. You realize this is radio, that yes. there is no physicality required. Get up and get All moving. you have to do is <laughs> flap your lips for an hour. That's it. Keep the energy level high. And by the way, I decided on the banana bread, not the fair. So how's that? Oh, you did? Yeah. So, okay, yeah. And because I hate inside jokes, oh, okay. now I have to explain right. that. Okay, quickly. Uh, Tom's yeah. wife has a pizza cooking food truck thingy called yes. Pompeii Pizza. Yeah. And they are at the Evergreen State Fair yes. cooking pizza. Mm-hmm. And Tom has not seen his no. wife or daughter. <laughs> not for like weeks. I don't know. Ever what year since is the this? fair started. They, he, yeah. So he, in a in a moment Conciliatory. of guilt, okay, guilt. he yeah. thought, oh, you know, I should probably swing by and say hello. <laughs> and that lasted for about, well, the top of the hour break. That lasted for about five minutes and okay. 30 seconds. That's longer than and usual, then decided, by the way. then he decided, no, that's too much like work. I'm going to go home and make banana bread. And watch sports. So, and watch sports. All right. So that's not what this show is about. The show is about you. It's not about making bread. It's about making dough. There you go. But not that kind of dough. The kind that gets you to where you need to go. Okay. That was a little poetic. Mm-hmm. Where where we think you need to go more often than not is to a comfortable retirement. Of all the things for which you can save and invest, the 
the, the one thing that's going to require the most money, you got to believe us on this, we, we, we understand this pretty well, is retirement. You probably need somewhere between, if you're like most people, most middle-class people, the least amount you're going to be able to get by with is about a half a million bucks. You probably need to be north of that. In fact, but, but don't give up because I do run into people that say, then I just won't bother. No, you got to bother yeah, because bother. let's say, let's say you're in your fifties and you got a, you know, you've got little or nothing saved. Yep. Well, you need to get started. And, and that's the thing that we can do. We can help you get a plan together to get started, to find the motivation, to get it underway. Because if you don't, here's the option. And I, I want to make it, I don't want, I, I don't want to sugarcoat this and say that it's going to be wonderful because the odds are go look it up at SSA.gov. The social security administration will give you an estimate of what your social security is going to be and you're if you think you can live on that then you live incredibly frugally yeah and and sadly it's about 40 percent of the united states that's in retirement that's all they have and we don't suggest it it's a big 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 number so no it's 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 not it's you need to save you need to get started and so strike while the iron's hot get to it today get a plan you need to get started you need to understand what you have and where it is, and we know this for a fact. I got another fact. But most go ahead. of most of you don't know what you own. You yeah. don't know what's in your investment portfolio. Oh, you don't, oh yeah, yeah, I got some stocks. Yeah. You don't know. Mm-mm. You don't know what Do you kind know of stocks. Yeah. You don't know what you're paying others generally. You don't. Here's the other part that always fascinates me. Most of you listening don't know how much risk you're taking. And and again, when I look at portfolios, people are either taking way too much risk for the amount of money they need to make, or they're taking no risk and they need to get some return on that money. Because I had a conversation with a fellow I worked with last night, different than the previous guy, that uh, that he. He admitted, I, I have most of it in something that's not making very much money. And I know in retirement, I'll need to have my money grow to some extent. And it's this counterintuitive thing. Let's see. Lainey, I think you're next. Welcome to Talking Real Money. Hi, Lainey. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. I have, I want to open or set up an account to build funds for my six college great-grandchildren. Oh, how exciting so for you! Age from two to eighteen. Okay. Uh, Wait. For, oh, a college fund yeah. for all of them. Right. Yeah. One. Uh, one. You know, so they can draw from. Yeah. Uh, the eighteen-year-old won't have much, but the two-year-old hopefully will. Yeah. Have. I mean, with the eighteen-year-old, honestly, just giving them the money for college at this point, there's no reason to to put that in a college fund like a 529 at this point that's just Mm -hmm. you're going to hand it to them but for the two-year-old and the younger ones and by the way congratulations on six great grandchildren what a what a gift uh i would i would go to utah uh uesp not literally don't drive to utah laney (laughs) take wait till don comes back he'll give you a quick lift there he he likes i've been through there and it wasn't that great (laughs) so we would we would recommend the utah 529 plan utah five the the money could be used for any school higher education anywhere in the country and it goes like this laney here's the part that i love it's easy to set up and if you weren't you know technologically oriented you could have somebody else do it for you but you can do this online very easily for each of the great grandkids you would then then they do all the work they do what's called age-based investing so for example for the two-year-old they're going to have most of that money in low-cost index funds that are in stocks because stocks 
you know, over time go up more than the safer things like bonds, if that makes sense. A riskier portfolio for the youngins and then less risky for the kids who are closer to college because you don't want volatility when you're going to use the money. I'm in South Dakota. That's This is where they call them youngins, not in Seattle. Okay, pardon me. Uh, uh, Lainey, are, are you comfortable on the computer or or, or, or would you rather call them? Um, I think uh, my computer is not always working well. And, uh, Let me give you their 800. Computer, we have problems. Let me give you their 800 number. Give them a call on Tuesday and tell them what you'd like to do. And yep. they are they're very helpful. They will help you get all the paperwork done and get these started for the grand, great-grandkids. Their number is 800 418 2551. That's 800-418-2551. It's called the Utah Educational Savings Plan. You don't have to go to a Utah school. You don't have to live in Utah. It's just a very well-run plan with very low costs and the kinds of funds that we like to see in a portfolio like this. Great. 800-418-2551. Yep. Yep. Call them Tuesday. One account for all. You have to have one account for each each child, each each grandchild. Each child would have an account. And again, as Tom said, the 18-year-old, if they need money for college, just give it to them. Although I have another idea you might want to consider, and that is setting up, if they've got any income, if they don't need money for college, then you might want to set up a Roth IRA for them, for the older child, so that they start saving for retirement. But if it's for college, just give them the money. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lainey. You're yeah. very welcome, Lainey. Thanks for the call. Six great grandkids. Wow, that would be that would be awesome. Yeah, you know, I think I'm just mo- excited about my first a, grandson. So. My mom has a slew of great grandkids. That many? All over the that's, place. That's amazing. I think it's like eight or nine. Wow. How many? How many great grandkids does my mom have now? Eight. Eight. Oh, 13 grandchildren. How many wow. greats? And and eight. Grand- five, five. Yeah. Okay. She's got a lot of them. Yeah. That's so uh, Rich, Richard's up next. Hey, Richard. Welcome to Talking Real Money. Hi, Richard. Hi. So I guess my question is kind of two parts. So we had this only mom's house and we moved it into, we've already had a trust. And so we put the money into the financial institution that's the trust, but it's sitting in cash and it was a house. So I don't have an advisor. And so what's a, what rate should I look for and how do I pick an advisor? Well, wait, okay. First, I want to ask you a question. So this is in a trust, correct? Yes, a trust. Yes. So it's in a trust account at a bank? It's not at a bank. It's in Commonwealth Financial Network. I don't know, I don't know Commonwealth Financial Network. So is that a brokerage of some kind? I mean, so it's a, bro- yeah, it's a custodian. It's to, yeah, it's it's like you know Schwab or Fidelity. It is okay. I'm not like familiar who's with the, them. Who's the trustee? Uh, a group of us sons. Oh, okay. So as trustees, you can put this anywhere right, you that's, want. I was just getting to that. Yeah. That's so correct. yeah. That's I don't. Yeah, okay. I don't know Commonwealth. Right now, we, yeah, right now. But how? What's an acceptable? I started digging around, and you know, um, rates are all over the thing. What? And so it's like, how do I make sure the guy knows what they're or gal knows what they're doing to give us good advice? And what's an acceptable rate that they should be earning? You will. Okay. There. The, we we confuse this banking concept with investing a lot. Uh, y- you get a rate, a set rate of return on a bond or at a bank account. You do not, not the get rate, a not the rate of re, not the rate of return, but the rate that I have to pay the ah. Advisor. How much oh. should you pay somebody for this help? Oh. You had us. Okay, one, you had us leaping should, through pages, going, I don't know what rate. <laughs> Go you, ahead, Don. You, you should no, no, never no, pay no. a commission. What, what? We don't want you to pay any commissions on any product. 
Uh, number two, if you're hi- hiring somebody to manage this trust for you, we believe that that you should not pay that individual, that company, more than 1% a year. But here's where it gets tricky. I also don't want you to use mutual funds that cost more than 30 or 40 basis points. So in total, we don't think you should be paying more than 1.3% a year or so. A uh, previous caller mentioned he had some money at Commonwealth Financial Network. They were holding this trust. I've never which I've never even heard of. So By the way, they're huge. Okay. They have thousands of advisors in air quotes all over the country. Uh they're both an RIA, a registered investment advisor and a BD, a broker dealer. Which means they can they, they can op- sometimes be your fiduciary and sometimes not so not. much. Yeah. It depends on what they're selling. They sell actively managed funds. They sell funds with 12B1 fees. They also sell Vanguard dimensional funds to people, which really surprised me. Really surprised me. Apparently, they can do anything for a buck. And what a buck they get. How much? Remember the caller asked what kind of fee should he pay? Mm -hmm. Well, their fee starts at 3%. No. Yes. 3% a year? I went to advisorinfo.sec.gov, sir. Good Lord. And looked up their ADV Part 2 brochure. Wow, that's, that's so honestly, let's say, that's outrageous. But it goes down. It goes down. It goes okay. down. So if you have a half a million dollar account there, your annual fee will be a mere 2.25%. Okay, but here's, okay, and that, that's, that's, that's an outrageous that's, statement. I'm being facetious. Well, no, but here's the thing that troubles me about the fact that Commonwealth, so here, they hold themselves out. Here's, here's what they're going to say. Oh, yeah, we use yeah. index funds. You should use index funds because they're lower cost, and they right. get you the returns of the market over the long call. And mm-hmm. but then this, whole, but that, then we that, suck two percent out. That uh, I do see that from time to time. Well, they tell the story, but then when it comes down to actually managing the money, that is insane to pay somebody you want, that much. You Crazy. want to guess what a million to two million is? Well, let's see. You went down to you know I'll say one to one and a half. One point seven five percent, sir. One point ridiculous. That is just uh, outrageous. That really is. Do not pay that, please. Yeah, well, their cheapest fee for <laughs> how about twenty million? What are we at there? At, at twenty million, okay. you're at one and a half percent. No, yes, I can't. Uh, that's that's really tragic. If you're paying that, it really is. It, it it's sad. I don't get it. Yeah. Dell, you're next. Welcome to talking real money. Tell us you're not paying somebody three percent a year to manage your money, Dell. Hi, I had a question about uh, traditional long-term care versus hybrid. In regards to switching over, yeah. So I mean, this you're is, talking mm, about the asset-based policy yeah, where you buy, yeah, you buy in. Because this is this comes up from time to time. I actually heard somebody had, when I was driving in today talking about this, and the answer they gave was very good until the moment they said, "Here's a guy I know who's a broker. Call him up." Because and the the, the by the way, the other part of the answer I liked is if you go to the insurance agent, they're generally uh, going to sell you the policy that probably makes them more money. Not saying anything bad about insurance people, but it works out that way. Don will, by the way. Funny. How how that works. So the short answer is, Dell. I, I don't know, because we'd have to look at your situation in terms of your assets. We'd have to look at your situation in terms of your age, your health. There's a lot of factors that go into this. Here's my personal preference, and I will uh-huh. I will preclude this by saying I like transparency. I like simplicity in all things, by the way, in my business, in my personal life, I mean, and in my finances. I want. I have a lot of insurance because it troubles me. I have a nine-year-old daughter. It troubles me the idea that I would drop dead or somebody kick me in the head at a high school game, whatever it is, and they wouldn't be taken care of. So that part of my life, I feel like I've checked the box. 
I like right. that fact that that's separate from my investments. My investments are in low-cost index mutual funds. I believe that's the best way to go. So then when you start getting into, you could have a traditional long-term care policy where you just pay the premium, and here's the struggle, I get it, that you buy that policy, and then in 10 years, the premium is doubled. This has happened a lot. I understand that. Or this right. asset-based model where they say, you give us the money, you're going to get the money back at the end, and here's how much you're going to, it just it cl- makes it cloudy for me. And every one of these that I've looked at, and I've looked at quite a few of these asset policies, these buy-in policies, every single case, they have built into the policy so many protections for them that you're not going to be any... even if you get deathly ill, you're not going to be any better off. They they have caps on what they pay. You you're not going to be any better off than you are in a traditional long-term care policy and the the net the net net at the end of the day is almost exactly the same. And by the way, here's how I here if I if you're going we have a guy actually does work for us that we pay per hour. We bring him the policies. That's one way, but here's another. Hire a financial advisor on a per hour basis. Have yes. them look at your financial situation situation to say it makes more sense to do the asset based or it makes more sense just to buy the policy that's not an agent that's why that is not an agent that's the key if you hire an advisor and you should to look these options over for you make sure they do not have an insurance license and can't sell product tom and don are talking real money your guides to a really great financial future tom and don are talking real money We want you to discover a better way to manage your money, to manage your wealth, to build it up for your future than what you've probably been doing. And we're pretty confident that what you're doing is most of the time not in your best interest, just from experience and from statistics. I mean, there are studies that will show you that only 1% of all investment advisors are always required to act in your best interest. That means 99% can do things that aren't the best for you financially. Now, there are conflicts. Everybody has a conflict, some sort of conflict. We want you to be our clients. Right, that's our conflict. It's better if you're a client, but you don't have to be, but it's better. But but we would rather see you go with somebody who believes what we believe than go with all the other folks. I mean, we don't sit around and say, call us at the office. We want you to call the firm that always acts in your best interest. And I don't mean to pick on Commonwealth. Well, but I'm going to pick on them because here, let me finish my thought on Commonwealth because I don't know that we make this explicit enough. If you're paying somebody 3%, as the manager, as the investment advisor, and the cost of the mutual funds. Remember, this is the part that people forget. There's a charge to the the way the money's actually. They're just they're just the person giving the advice. Then the right. actual investment vehicle costs one percent. For sake of argument, that's four percent a year. If the market, if the stock market gives you eight, all of a sudden you've given away half of your money each and every year. That is outrageous. It really is. <laughs> and I would I wouldn't expect the stock market to give more yeah, than 8% I, on I average no, anymore. I, I wouldn't, really wouldn't no. expect that. You're giving a lot away. But I was reading their conflict, and this is one of the things. Again, go to advisorinfo.sec.gov. Anyone who holds themselves out to be an investment advisor must file a form with the SEC, which is reasonably easy to read. Yep. It's called their ADV Part 2 
brochure, and I was reading through Commonwealths, and they in their conflict of interest section, just look for that, at, and in their conflict of interest section, they say, all of our advisors are registered with, almost, almost all of our advisors oh, almost. are okay. registered with Commonwealth's broker-dealer yeah. as registered representatives. They need to wear the hats, the Don's hats. The, you know, <laughs> I'm I mean, selling that's, those that's, hats. That's a work. And many are licensed insurance agents. Really? So you shouldn't get advice on your money from someone who gets commissions from selling products because, folks, the advice is tainted. No matter how nice they are or how honorable you feel they are or they believe themselves to be, because remember, human beings are so good at deluding themselves. Well, I mean, just we put, convince put yourself, ourselves that we do good work. Put yourself in that situation. It's pretty simple to figure out that, that by the way, this and I'm hearing myself twice here, Don. But the the reality I is, I don't either. But the reality is that uh, that that when you sit down with somebody and you ask them for help, and the the way they can help you. I'm using the air quotes. The way they can help you is either put you into a low-cost index fund that makes them very little or into a high-expense fund that pays them a big commission, a product that that, that that makes a lot of money for them. Put yourself in that spot. Which would you do? You would have to pick B, right, because that makes you a living. That pays the boat. That takes the kids on vacation. Whatever it is, it's just incredibly hard. And remember, though, the broker-dealers have a fiduciary responsibility to the broker-dealer. They have a requirement right. to put the firm first, sadly. And and, and that, that is sad. And that's, again, why I really, I mean, I kid about it, I, I, but I'm, I'm somewhat serious that they, they should be required to wear another hat. They should be required to change the hats from I'm acting in your best interest to I'm acting not necessarily in your best interest. I'm giving you something that's merely suitable. And that's one of my pet peeves that they don't do that. So the point is, and that, that this applies to a lot of folks who called today, the gentleman who was uh, uh, who had that well, money, that trust money yep. with Commonwealth, yep. the gentleman who was talking to someone about that insurance policy. By the way, it would even hold well, true with a 529 because there's people that sell commission-based educational pro uh, savings programs. Lots of them. Lots of states have crummy programs that have commissions attached to them. Why would you hand somebody... No, you go. Why would you want to overpay for something that's going to take care of your great grandkids? Absolutely not. And that's and the, and the problem is, you know, it, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why I, we're trying to give you the tools you need. There are and there are just a couple of them. Again, that website you have. Go look your advisor up. I bet you've never done it. Go look them up at advisorinfo.sec.gov. Type in the name of the firm or the name of the person you work with. Go to that ADV Part 2 and sit down. Spend 20 minutes reading, skimming it. You don't have to read it. Take 10 minutes and skim the darn thing. Go to the fees section and go to the conflict of interest section. Those are the two you need to read. Well, That's and a again, and the other part is get some education about this. Because if you just walk into somebody and give them your chips, your savings, you don't know what's going to happen that's why we do the classes we've got one coming up on the 12th in olympia we've got a retire meet south coming up on the 28th of october don's going to do a lunch ed here in the interim and those classes are all at talkingrealmoney.com talkingrealmoney.com if you go to the homepage, right at the top it says attend one of our events 
So, and we don't get to the South Sound enough. That's where we're trying to do more down there. So join us for the 12th or the 28th of October for those. So if you have some education, you could at least put up some sort of argument with people to tell you, here's the way it is, Sonny Boy, because no, that isn't the way it is. I've learned something and I don't have to just blindly follow your advice. And one of the things that I don't think we mention enough is that we promise you and in fact, I guarantee you, you have to pay for our classes because we don't want to spend our clients' money on these because they're classes. This is not a sales pitch. You're not going to walk out of this thing going, oh my gosh, they just got me to sign up for the long weekend seminar. And then <laughs> and then after that, it's... Can you imagine spending a long weekend with us? Oh, gee no whiz, way. no. No way. Not going to uh, happen. But, but that's what you get. You either get sold a seminar or in some of these college classes, <laughs> you get you get oh, sold no. an hour-long yeah. meeting so the guy can sell you an index annuity. You get your private meeting. Your private meeting. Of course, your private meeting. And you know, right, you've listened long enough that you know that equity indexed annuities are evil. They are evil. And I'm not the only one who says that. I, I, you know, I can feel pretty good about saying that when I am backed up by Forbes and Kiplinger's and money and uh, the OFINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. Put alert out on them. Yep. Yeah. They have an alert. FINRA has an alert that says, oh, you know, these things could be really bad for you. Might want to check into it. Yeah. They sound, if it sounds too good, please Please know that 99 times out of 100, it's too good. It's just too good to be true. you got to watch out for it. And make sure, I want to go back to the two tools. There are two tools, advisorinfo.sec.gov to look them up, or go to talkingrealmoney.com and download a one, it's a one-page, one-side PDF that we call the advisor interview form. It has, it, any decent advisor, it'll take them 30 minutes at most to fill it out. And if they refuse to fill it out, then... Walk away. You got to find Walk somebody else door. to help you. Yep, I agree. Find somebody else. You are not in the right place. You've got to do this little bit of homework to make sure you get taken care of as well as you can be. Doesn't guarantee anything. Doesn't guarantee anything, but it improves the odds and it, it levels the playing field. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.